Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Head on over to the website, TravelingCulturati.com, and make sure that you're the first to know when we're on the go. You can be part of some fantastic destinations, group trips, and you get to meet and travel with some awesome people. Again, the website is TravelingCulturati.com. Make sure you go ahead and join in on the fun. Well, healthcare professional Yolanda Como is back with another installment of Staying Healthy While You Travel. Traveling with Medications is in this installment and answers the question, is my medication legal in other countries? We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and the Culture Report. But right now, I've got some travel news. Airlines have launched an adult-only section for international flights. The airline is Turkish Dutch Airline, and it's looking to remove the disruption of children's noises by offering an adult-only zone. This is for flights and people traveling without kids between Amsterdam and Curaçao for now. But this may catch on, and other airlines may look at this as a model. Turkish Dutch Corendon Airlines said it is introducing adult-only zones for flights between Amsterdam and Curaçao starting November 3rd. This zone on the plane is intended for travelers traveling without children and for business travelers who want to work in a quiet environment. The airline argued that these zones will also positively impact parents who can worry less about possible reactions from fellow passengers when their child is a bit busier or crying. The adult-only zones will be in the front section of the plane with nine extra-large seats with additional legroom and 93 standard seats. The zone will be physically separated from the rest of the plane using walls and curtains that create a shielded environment that contributes to a quiet and relaxed flight. Now, this does not come free of charge. (laughs) Seats for a one-way ticket in the adult-only zone will cost an additional 45 euros or just under $49, while the extra-large seats will cost an additional 100 euros or about $108. The airline said travelers 16 and older will be able to purchase the seats. Now, Qantas Airlines is accused of selling tickets for already canceled flights. The Australian Competition and Consumer Commission is taking legal action against Qantas Airlines for allegedly selling tickets for thousands of flights that were already canceled. It relates to canceled flights from May to July 2022. The ACCC alleges Qantas kept ticket sales open in its website for 8,000 flights, for two weeks on average after they were canceled. Qantas failed to inform customers immediately on thousands of flights that flights they were booked on had been canceled. The ACCC said it conducted a detailed investigation. ACCC Chair Gina Cass Gottlieb said Qantas's conduct left customers with less time to make alternative arrangements and may have led them to paying higher prices. It continued to sell tickets on canceled flights and not updated ticket holders. The ACCC says it found tickets were sold for up to 47 days after a flight had been canceled. The commission is seeking penalties, injunctions, and costs. Qantas acknowledged service fell short of acceptable standards. The ACC believes Qantas canceled many flights for reasons within their control. These were for network optimization, consumer demand, and retention of slots. Now, France wants to put a stop to mega-low airfares. France's transport minister says he will propose a minimum flight price policy to the EU. He's also said he will propose that the EU brings in a minimum price on flights to reduce carbon emissions, stating he wants to fight against social and environmental dumping and that a 10 euro plane ticket isn't possible anymore, referring to the low cost airline fares. He said a mega low cost ticket price doesn't reflect the price for the planet. 
But are more expensive flights the solution to reducing aviation's carbon footprint? Frequent flyers are disproportionately responsible for emissions, but we should be dealing with frequent flyers, and this does not deal with them. It might reduce nice city weekends for some people, but it's not going to stop or reduce this regular flying elite. In France, 2% of people take half of all flights, according to research published by the Climate Campaign Group. Possible. 15% of Brits take 70% of flights, and 8% of the Dutch take 42% of the flights. Overall, 37% of Europeans have never traveled outside of their own country, according to a 2014 European survey. This statistic does not directly relate to air travel, but it gives an idea of how many Europeans fly. On average, European train tickets are twice as expensive as flights, according to a Greenpeace report from July. Only 12 train lines were found to be fast, reliable, and cheaper than flights over the 112 most important routes that was analyzed by Greenpeace. In May this year, France bought in a ban on some domestic flight routes, flights that could be replaced by train, taking less than two and a half hours were affected. But due to caveats, such as trains not running late enough at night, the ban only applies to three flight routes, which are Paris Orly to Bordeaux, Lyon, and Nantes. And the discount airlines are fighting back. Ryanair's chief executive has been very hostile to similar measures comparing such moves as North Korea-like rate control. When Austria announced back in June of 2020 that it wanted to prohibit airfares from being lower than the actual taxes and charges. Ryanair's chief executive, John Worth, fears that the French transport minister is seeking publicity rather than real change. The international publicity of France's short flight ban was huge. It was useless, but it gave Macron good international publicity, according to John Worth. Universal Orlando makes a special ticket offer with two days free. U.S. and Canada clients can now take advantage of a new deal, giving them five days of access to Universal Orlando Resorts theme parks for the price of a three-day ticket. Available for purchase now at Universal Orlando Resort Tickets, the Get Two Days Free with a two-park, three-day ticket allows guests to save on their vacation, including five days admission to Universal Studios Florida and Universal Islands of Adventure. Clients also have the option to upgrade their ticket to include Universal Volcano Bay, the water theme park. The get two days free with a two park, three day ticket is the perfect offer for guests to explore and enjoy all the entertainment that can only be found at Universal Orlando Resorts. With more than 60 highly immersive attractions and experiences across its theme parks. There's a new hack and it's claiming that it will help you book the cheapest airfare on Google Flights. The new feature will be helpful for upcoming holiday travel season. This new hack will help you book the cheapest airfare on Google Flights. Knowing the best day to book can be a bit of a moving target, even if you're an expert on the matter. That's why the latest announcement from Google Flights is a real game changer. The new feature shows travelers the best time to book their travel, letting users know the optimal time for savings. Before the update, you could already see whether current prices for your research were low, typical, or high compared to past averages for the same route. But now, Google Flights has launched upgraded insights using trend data, advising buyers when prices have typically been lowest to book for the chosen dates and destination. Using their platform, you'll see that the site could tell you that the cheapest time to book similar trips is usually two months before departure, and you're currently in that sweet spot. Or you might learn that prices have usually dropped closer to takeoff, so it's smarter to wait to book. You can also set up tracking if you're logged into your Google account, where Google Flights will automatically notify you if a flight price drops. You can do this for the specific dates or if you're more flexible, you can turn on any dates to receive emails about deals anytime in the next three to six months. 
And this is all coming at a great time with holiday travel season approaching. As part of the update, Google also released some new travel booking data that will be helpful in the weeks to come. For trips starting in mid-December, Google found that the best time to book is around early October. And they released the average prices tend to be lowest about 71 days before departure. That's a big change from their 2022 insights, which found that average prices were lowest at 22 days before departure. And the typical low price range is now 54 to 78 days before takeoff. Well, Canada has issued a travel advisory warning U.S. states LGBTQ plus laws. Canada this week updated its travel advisory to the U.S., warning members of the LGBTQ plus community that some American states have enacted laws that may affect them. The country's Global Affairs Department did not specify which states, but is advising travelers to check the local laws for their destination before traveling. Since the beginning of 2023, certain states in the U.S. have passed laws banning drag shows and restricting the transgender community from access to gender-affirming care and from participation in sporting events. And this is according to Global Affairs spokesperson. And it's not just Florida. More than a dozen states proposed so-called don't-say-gay bills outside Canada. And these laws and customs are related to sexual orientation, gender identity, gender expression, and sex characteristics that can be different from those in Canada. And as a result, Canadians could face certain barriers and risks when they travel outside of Canada, according to the statement. It was said that no Canadians in the U.S. have complained to Global Affairs of how they were treated or kept from expressing their opinions about LGBTQ issues. The Human Rights Campaign, the largest U.S.-based organization devoted to the rights of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer Americans, in June declared a state of emergency for LGBTQ plus people in the U.S. The NAACP in May issued a travel advisory for Florida warning potential tourists about the recent laws and policies championed by Governor Ron DeSantis, including bills that ban gender-affirming care for minors. Also those that target drag shows, restrict discussion of personal pronouns in schools, and force people to use certain bathrooms. Now asked about the travel advisory change, Canadian Deputy Prime Minister said, travel advisories issued by Global Affairs Canada are based on advice from professionals in the department whose job it is to monitor for particular dangers. Well, that's all I've got for travel news. And when I come back, I'm chatting with healthcare professional Yolanda Como on are your medications legal in other countries when you travel? Something you need to know before your next international trip. The world is a book and those who do not travel read only a page. See the world with Advantage International. Advantage specializes in group travel and offers group trips to top destinations around the world. Join an existing group or have a travel specialist at Advantage design that special trip for your organization, family, school, or church. Go to Advantage-intl.com for a current trip or call Advantage at one 877 428 this is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Are you planning to travel? Looking for connections with airlines, resorts, hotels, cruise ships, new fashions, or places for family reunions and getaways? Join us October 7th and 8th, 2023 for the Port of Go International Destination and Travel Expo. It's taking place at the Renaissance Convention Center in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. The Port of Go is your all-things travel expo designed for everyone to discover where to go and the best deals. To learn more, visit portofgo.com. That's P-O-R-T of go.com. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website, TravelingCulturati.com. I'd also like for you to follow me on social media. And don't forget to join the Travel Club 2023. So far has been a fantastic year of travel. And some of you have joined us on some wonderful trips. 
We have a few more to go in 2023 that you can still be a part of. One is Belize, November 10th through the 16th for a little pause and play, a jungle and island experience. And we're really going to focus on taking care of ourselves, self-care. That's what it's going to be all about. And 2024 is shaping up to be a wonderful travel year as well. So on the horizon, we have Japan, we have Israel and Jordan. Of course, we're going back to South Africa and France in the fall. So stay tuned for all of that. But if you want to be the first to know when we're on the go, make sure you sign up for the travel list. Yes, you want to sign up for the newsletter. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. I was recently reminded of the need and importance of global entry. TSA PreCheck and Clear. Yes, all three. If there ever was a time I needed all three, it was definitely this summer. Each time I traveled, I recognized that if I didn't have them, I would have missed my flights. Each flight I've taken this summer has been delayed for weather or mechanical reasons. Fortunately, in one case, my connecting flight was also delayed. On the other trips, my international flight was delayed, but my connecting flight was not. This is when I realized that Global Entry, TSA PreCheck, and Clear, without them, I would have missed my flight. The immigration line was so long for those without Global Entry that the airline had notified me in advance it would take 90 minutes to get to the gate for my next flight. However, I breezed through Global Entry, which allowed me to use the kiosk and continue through. After collecting my luggage and heading to the terminal for my next flight, the TSA security lines were also extremely long. The TSA pre-check lane was long as well, but only about half of the regular lane. However, with clear and pre-check, the clear agent escorted me to the front of the TSA lane. TSA PreCheck allows me to keep my shoes on, laptop, and toiletries in my bag. This makes the line move more quickly, in addition to it being an exclusive lane for those who have TSA PreCheck. It still took me nearly an hour to get from my international flight to my domestic connecting flight. Without either or all three and the delay, I would not have made those flights. If you still decide not to get any of the aforementioned, Give yourself at least four hours connecting time for international flights and three hours for domestic connecting flights. This is Javon, and that was your Travel Minute. Today, healthcare professional Yolanda Como is back with another edition of Staying Healthy While You Travel. To stay healthy while we travel and when we travel, those who take medications have to travel with them. The question becomes, are my medications legal in other countries? Welcome back, Yolanda. Hey, Javon. Thank you for having me back. Absolutely. Let me ask you a question. Do you have either of the three, TSA PreCheck, Global Entry, Clear? I have TSA PreCheck, yes. I should get the Global, but um, no, I don't have Global. You don't even need to pull out your passport anymore for Global Entry. You just go... And it's all biometrics. So you stand in front of the machine and it prints out the customs agent calls out your name and you go right on through. Yeah. And then I love the aspect of clear is with clear. Again, it's biometrics. You go up to a kiosk and you can choose eyes, fingertips. And, you know, if I usually choose eyes and it scans my eyes and then the agent escorts me to the front of the TSA pre-check lane. So. It makes it a lot easier, but on another day, another show, I'll explain to you my ordeal, or I'll put it in a blog post, my ordeals traveling this summer and just being grateful that I had all three, actually, because it has been quite stressful traveling this summer, but I'm not going to stop traveling, so I just need to make it easier for myself when I do. Exactly. Yeah. So the question is, are my medications legal for traveling with? So that's what we're talking about today. Thank you so much for bringing this topic to us. Yeah, well, I thought I would because it's becoming apparent in the news more and more every day. People are getting stopped, screened, confiscated of packages and medications. And some situations, their medications were tossed. Mm -hmm. And 
these are prescribed medications in some cases for people. So to avoid all that, you need to do your homework prior to taking your trip before you start your travels. So what are some of the consequences? What could happen? Well, if you're screened and questioned about your medications, some of the consequences can be mild to serious. And authorities can take away your medication, as I said. You can be charged with conspiracy to import. There will be penalties, which includes jail or prison time. You can be charged with a serious criminal offense. You can be denied entry into the destination. And you also can be denied entry into other countries in the future. Let me go back and ask a question before that then. Why would your medication be illegal in another country? Because medications that are commonly prescribed here in the United States and or available over the counter in the United States might be unlicensed or considered controlled substances in other countries. Hmm. The rules can vary in various countries and in different countries, and there could be serious consequences, like I said. Wow. You know, especially here in the United States, we are a very, I'll just put it nicely, a pharmaceutical country. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty liberal about, well, I wouldn't say just liberal about medication. A lot of things are FDA approved, and you cannot get them here in the United States. But as I said, some of the things that we are able to get just over the counter, mm-hmm. they very restricted in other facilities and other areas. Wow. So what are some of the common medications? Because I know the list is very long. So let's just talk about what are some of the common (laughs) medications that are restricted in other countries? Definitely the narcotics, psychotropic medications, surprisingly, because a lot of people take medication for, you know, like depression and other psychotropists like Amien to help them sleep. And also medications over the counter like nutritional supplements like powder proteins and Mm. hormone medications also like birth control pills and hormone therapy pills and gender transition medication. So a lot of countries kind of give those medications a side eye. Things like antidepressants, which is there's a large bank of people who take antidepressive medications. And also medications, the ADHD, medications that people take just to help them cope. Those are restricted as well, depending on what country you're entering. And, you know, that's very important to talk about because, you know, again, we don't really think twice about those types of medications here. So what we consider a medication, just to kind of do a separation, I guess, other countries see as a drug and it may be illegal for them. and But on the other end, if you're someone who's taking this medication regularly, you can't just stop taking that medication because you're traveling. So you need to continue it because there could be other adverse effects if you're not continuing to take your medication. So I'm surprised to see that birth control pills, I can kind of understand the morning after, but birth control or hormone therapy, and I'm sure the list is even longer than that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, you have to think of the countries and their cultures. And if they're a country that's, you know, like you just said, you see if it was the day after pill. But if they're a country who look negative at you not wanting to get pregnant, so to speak, then a birth control pill medication will be something that will be on their list. Mm. Definitely. If you're doing like hormone therapy medication, people generally take that to begin IVF procedures if they're trying to have children. And some countries, that's taboo, you know, for some countries in their culture, because they think things are supposed to happen naturally. And you're just, you know, impeding on the natural process of having a baby, which they're not understanding, in my opinion, science. So as you said, I don't know if you should be traveling if you are on these medications anyway, because it is a process and it is short term as well, temporary, that is. And, you know, maybe you should travel once you're done with your therapy. Yeah, well, in those cases, yes, but there are situations where some things may not be temporary. Like, I mean, you think about birth control, that's something that one is going to use for the length of time they're trying not to get pregnant. Oh, yeah, and and the ones that people who are on antidepressant medication. So if that's not made available to them, then that's going to throw off their whole chemical balance of their psyche. And they're not going to be liked if they're not on their medication because of their behavior or how they may react or they may even be reacting to themselves. They're not going to enjoy themselves or the trip or the travels if they're not having their medication with them. 
Right, or there could be other effects. So give us some examples of countries and their restrictions. Well, Canada, who are our neighbors, you know, here in North America, they are okay with your prescription medications as long as it's for legitimate health conditions. But it may come under scrutiny if you do not have your prescription with your name on it. And in some incidents, you need to have a letterhead of your doctor to say that you are actually on these medications. So if you're going through customs, you may get stopped and the immigration authorities, they probably will take you in a room and drill you about what you have in your bag, what's in the bottle, exactly what you're taking it for. If you just have a letter of the prescription and leave your prescription labels on your bottles so that they can actually investigate a little further and everything would be clearer for them. Yeah. So in some countries, it's not necessarily that you can't travel with it. You have to bring proper documentation to travel with it in the event that you're questioned. Right. Exactly. Okay. What are some Uh, other examples? Somewhere like the UK and other European countries, they ask that you, well, you should do this anyway, carry your medications. If they're controlled drugs, meaning like something with a narcotic substance in them, then you should always have that in a, a, your hand luggage, like your carry-on luggage, have it with you at all times when you're entering those countries and getting ready to go through customs. Because you will be stopped. And like I said, people have been stopped and they was wondering why, you know, hey, that's my, that's for this or that's why I'm taking this for such and such reason. But they will like hammer you about what it's really for. Particularly like the United Arab Emirates countries, they are super strict. They allow you, if you were someone coming out of the country, they allow you to bring up to three months worth of supply of your prescription medication with your proper documentation as a visitor. And if you're staying even longer as a resident, you can have at least 12 months of the supply. But you must have a doctor's letter and a copy of the original prescription as well. Things like narcotics or psychotropics, they kind of frown upon that. So it would not be freely imported into the country at all. In fact, you might be denied with the psychotropics going into that country. And controlled substances, you definitely would be declined. In fact, they have a Ministry of Health Department and actually have a website. You should check that website and try to get approved before you can bring that medication into their country. Now, you mentioned controlled substances. What do you mean by that? Controlled substances usually have a form of narcotics in it. Okay. So if you're taking something to help you with pain, Mm -hmm. other than a Tylenol or an ibuprofen type of medication, for like a, anything like a muscle relaxant, anything with something stronger, they grade them in classes. Like a pharmacy will, you know, be able to explain that a little bit more for you. But they grade them like class one, class two, class three, and so forth. And depending on what class that control substance is and the medication you're bringing, it could be a higher level of narcotic. Yeah. They look frown upon narcotics and drugs. These particular countries. Personally, I'd never been to Saudi Arabia, but this one guy told me, he said, first thing I saw was a crossbones skeleton and above it, it just said no drugs. And it was like a death sign, meaning if you're caught with drugs or narcotics, bringing narcotics in the country, yeah. it could be dentist. Yeah, I haven't been to Saudi Arabia either, but I have been to the United Arab Emirates several times, Dubai and Abu Dhabi. And while I haven't had any issues, there are several things here. One, you notice when you travel to a lot of countries, you have to get your luggage scanned to enter the country. And so there's usually a last just before as you're clearing customs, even if you go in the nothing to declare lane there is a security scanner there and everybody has to put their luggage on there. So they are looking to see if anything stands out in your luggage there. But also just like Homeland Security can go in your luggage and TSA can go into your luggage here in the United States. So can other countries too. If they feel that through scanning, they see something, they can go in your luggage. So you really have to be careful of that. And as a culture here, as we talked about earlier in the United States, we're more accepting of pharmaceuticals. We don't necessarily think when we say narcotic, we automatically think illegal, but narcotics aren't just illegal. (laughs) You know, as you're mentioning, 
Some of these are narcotics, controlled substances, psychotropics are prescribed. So they're legal here, but they laws and licenses vary. Are there any other countries we should really know about? Yeah, definitely Asia. They're very strict with medication like cannabis, CBD oils, and as I said, the medication that treats ADHD, people with that condition, that's actually banned in Japan. So anything that's like cocaine, heroin, or opioids, and definitely cannabis, they are going to reject that and question you. You really have to have answers for them if you're entering their country. And it's under no exception. All those that I just mentioned are prohibited medications that to enter into Japan. They're illegal and it will be obtained. They will screen you about it and question mm-hmm. Wow. So what can or should a traveler do who has medication that they must travel with? You should make an appointment to see your primary care doctor or healthcare provider before you travel at least one month prior to leaving. So you can discuss if the medication that you're going to be traveling with, if it has any form of narcotic in it, of a controlled substance, so that you can get a hold of that particular country, that your destination that you're traveling to, to see if it's going to be approved. So if that will be the case after you're seeing your doctor, you should have your doctor write a letter on his letterhead to explain why you're on that medication. So you can have that letter with you at all times. And you may even have to send that letter to get your medication approved before you travel. Send it to the foreign ministry department of that destination you're entering. You should also be aware that the country's that you're going to, they do honor the rights of travelers to transport with their prescription medication, but just have your supporting documents with you to explain your medical condition. And, you know, I think there will be some exception. It's just like if you're trying to apply for a visa or a passport or a visa to get into the country, you know, they have to really look into it and look into you and approve that you can enter into the country. It's the same process, but give, you, give yourself enough time to do that. Just consult the embassy of that destination, as I said, and pack your medication as a carry-on. Do not put it on a luggage to go through a scanner because that will raise an eyebrow of suspicion. One thing I always say, keep your medications with you in your mm-hmm. carry-on. Never put them in your checked bag because if someone does have to check your luggage, You want to be there. You don't want anyone messing with your medications without you being witness to it. So that's something that you definitely want to keep close to you and an eye on. You don't want to leave it open to any scrutiny without you being there. A lot of times if you are on multiple types of medication, you want to keep your label on the bottle of that particular mat. And if you have several, probably five or maybe six or even more, some people may want to combine them. Like put a few in a bottle, depending on how long your travels are, seven days worth of each medication in one bottle. You know which medication is which because you take them every day and you, by the way that they look, so you know what you're taking. You shouldn't do that, especially if they're prescription. Do not combine the space of your medication into a single container. That's a no-no. Even if it's one of those organizers. They're made specifically for that. So you have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Exactly. It's not a good idea to do that with prescription medications if you're traveling. Because if you are going abroad, they will like to know exactly what it is. See it on the bottle with the bottle labeled for each item. Now, I do that with my over-the-counter. Like the ones that I usually have are like Advil or over-the-counter pain reliever, a anti-inflammatory, and just one for like a headache or something like that. Now, those are combined in one bottle. Is that okay? I'm thinking, Javon, that isn't even okay either if you're traveling abroad. Because if you were screened, you're going to have to explain it. Like you just said, this is Advil. This is for if I have a backache or if I have a little fever. This is Tylenol. If I have a headache, I don't know if that's going to go over well if you're stopped in another country. And I have done that as well, but I don't believe that's the proper way to do it. But I do know those type of medications, the -the over-the-counter medications, you can get those in small packagings. You don't have to buy a large bottle of them. You can buy them like in travel size packages. Yeah, I have seen those. They're just so much more expensive. 
They are. <laughs> it is. It is. But I think that might be the best way to do it if you're traveling abroad. Again, very good to know. Very good to know. So what are some of the other things we should consider? Well, you should always think about taking extra medication and supplies, not just enough for the days that you're going to be away, because you never know what could happen. And, and as you mentioned, some things that country, even if they have a pharmacy, may not carry what you're looking for. That's true. But you can ask the pharmacist to give you something close to what you're looking for if you're desperate. I mean, if you're in the need of something happened where your medication was, I don't know, was lost, flushed down the toilet, who knows what happened, damaged in some way. You can't go to the pharmacy in the other country and they will work with you to get you something close to as possible what you need. Now, one thing you should do, because what if you were traveling and you had a layover and you are laid over in another country that you weren't supposed to be in? So when you're traveling, just like you're checking a month prior, if your medication is going to be okay in the destination you're going to go to, you probably want to know about the layover areas as well. That's a really good point. And a lot of times we don't think about the layover area. One time period where that became very crucial to think about was when we were in the middle of the pandemic and countries started opening up. Even if you were transiting particular countries, you needed to have a COVID test ready for them. And in some cases, your destination may not have required it, but your transiting country did. And one thing that you do not want to do is travel with any counterfeit medication. And this is true. Some people purchase their medication off the street because they can't afford it through the pharmacy. And that happens all the time. So try not to take uh, unprescribed medication or unknown medication with you at all. And also do not have your medication mailed to your destination. People do that as well. A lot of people have medications mailed in from them from Canada and other countries. But if you know that you are going to be traveling somewhere, do not have medications sent to that site before you get there. Okay? Because people, they try to be creative yeah. in whatever ways, but that will throw up a red flag as well. Now, what if your medication is not allowed at your destination? If it's not allowed at the destination, if you're bringing it, they're not going to return it to you. They're going to confiscate it and they're not going to return it to you. Is there anything your healthcare provider can do in advance? Well, what he can do, once again, that's why you're going to see him a month or so prior. He or she can write a letter on the letterhead explaining why you need this medication for what condition. I see. Now, what about transporting the medication? I know we talked a little bit about it, but I really yeah. wanted to talk about that more specifically because the act of traveling from origin to destination is transporting yourself, your personal belongings, and that's going to include medication. What you should know, be prepared for additional screenings. Because if you do have medication that's going to be questionable, just know that you will um, be screened for those. So get prepared for it. Once again, keep your medication on your carry-on with you with the original labeling containers. Do not combine them with several other medications loosely, that is, with multiple medications in one container. Don't do that. It's just not a good idea. If they see that, they're just going to take it and I believe they'll just toss it. And then you will end up with no medication at all for any of your prescriptions. So just make sure your prescriptions are matching your name. That's on your travel documents and your ID. Okay. Because they're probably going to want to look at all of them and match them up and make sure you are who you are. These are your medications and this was prescribed to you. And carry a prescription with a letter from your doctor. I would definitely get a letter from my doctor if I was on several medications that could be questionable. Can you leave us with maybe some sites we should visit prior to our travels so that they can travel safely? You can Google foreign ministry of that destination that you're going to, of that country, and it will give you specifics of what's approved in that particular country. They should have a list of countries. You can choose the one, like once you get into that site, choose the country that you're going to, and then the list of medications that are approved, not approved. And they would tell you exactly what you would need if you were going to bring something in that might be questionable and may not be approved. They're going to tell you what you need to do. Apply to have it approved prior to coming. See your doctor for a letter of approval and ex explanation of why you need this particular medication to travel with you. 
Okay, so for example, some of the same locations you would visit if you're looking to get entry or document requirements like a visa and so forth, right. they would have some of those same things. Right, they would should have a tab on those sites. Absolutely, because they're going to give you a list of what's prohibited. I would also add that a good one-stop shop is travel.state.gov because they can provide you with links to different countries. They have a link for international travel, but you put in the country that you're visiting, and I'm quite sure that you can kind of follow that path as well. But thanks so much for this information. Thank you. Are you planning to travel? Looking for connections with airlines, resorts, hotels, cruise ships, new fashions, or places for family reunions and getaways? Join us October 7th and 8th, 2023 for the Port of Go International Destination and Travel Expo. It's taking place at the Renaissance Convention Center in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. The Port of Go is your all-things travel expo designed for everyone to discover where to go and the best deals. To learn more, visit portofgo.com. That's P-O-R-T of go.com. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website. It's TravelingCulturati.com. And make sure you join the Travel Club because we go to some fantastic places. And the only way to be the first to know when we're on the go is to join the Travel Club and sign up for the mailing list. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born of the arts, music, food, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report, and we're talking about food. And I think granola is probably at least in the top five of travel snacks. <laughs> Everyone always seems to have a pouch or bag of sorts of some type of granola. So I think it's probably one of the most popular travel snacks. And that brings me to my guest today. Brian Daniels, owner of All Good Granola. Hello, Brian, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Hi, Javon. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I think it's probably one of my go-tos as well because it travels well and it comes in different forms, either loose or in a bar, different flavors, and there's almost always something for everyone. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, for sure. I think it's a, a market that is well represented. You know, you've got all different kinds of granola bars and flavors and some with super protein and some that are just sugary sweet and all natural ingredients. So it's a wide array of variety for people to choose from. Now, what got you into the granola business? Wow. So it's definitely an interesting backstory. I guess it was by accident for sure. My background is in IT. That's what I went to school for. And that's what I did for my job for uh, about 15 plus years. And I actually left that job in 2019. I was going to pursue some other business ideas that I had. But during that time, I was also making beer with my friends as a hobby. So we were home brewing, and every session, the last step is basically to throw away the grains that you've used. But for me, they smelled so good, I wanted to figure out a way to eat them. So I was basically walking out to the dumpster at the end of a brew session and was going to throw these grains away, but I decided to take them home instead and dry them out and uh, started making granola bars with them. That's pretty much how it all started. Wow, from beer to granola. Exactly. <laughs> and I saw on your website where it said beer, but I thought, okay, I have to find out what's the connection between beer and granola. So are you still making beer though? No. So it's one of those things that, you know, life got busy for all three of us at the time with, you know, small children and everything. So we weren't able to get together and make the beer. But what happened was I kept getting orders for the granola bars after we stopped making beer. So I figured, I could maybe reach out to one of these local breweries because we have a dozen or so in the area. And the first brewery that I went to, the head brewer was like, yeah, I just got finished making some beer today. Here's a bucket. And so he gave me a bucket of the grain that he just made the beer from. And uh, I literally got my business license that week and was selling the bars at the farmer's market that weekend. So what part of the grains from the beer production are you using? So it's called spent grain. It's basically the first step of the process where malted barley is milled and then poured into a pot or whatever where you add hot water to it 
to the point where it's about an hour's worth of hot water rinsing through those grains and extracting all of the, the sugars and stuff from the grain. So that sugary water goes on to the next phase of the process where you're going to add hops to the beer and any other flavorings. And then from that point on, it goes on to fermentation. But the byproduct of that first stage is that spent grain that I used. I see. And now your granolas is all good, all natural. And I think, you know, when we're shopping, when we're in the grocery stores or we're going to specialty stores, so now we're at this time where we see those words or that terminology, all natural. I want to talk about that and what that really means and to distinguish the product. Sure. Uh, For me, it means no preservatives, nothing in the ingredient list that you can't pronounce. We're not certified organic. Not every ingredient in our list is organic, but we do back the fact that, you know, there's no artificial preservatives or artificial flavors or sweeteners in the product. And what are your top flavors? Sure. So we have five flavors. And when I was making the bars, I named them and kind of modeled them after some of the beer recipes that I'd made over the years. So the first is cranberry almond IPA. Then we have a coconut mango tropical IPA. We have chocolate cherry stout, blueberry hefeweizen, and a pumpkin spice Oktoberfest. And I'd say the best seller is probably the blueberry hefeweizen and the coconut mango tropical IPA. Is there a hint of the beer flavor? So I guess for beer nerds like myself and some other people, they can probably taste some of that malted barley background in the grains that we use. I think, you know, we add oats and nuts, depending on the bar, different dried fruit and seeds as well, which, you know, those flavors come through more so than the grains. But again, like I said, for me, I can definitely tell, you know, when I'm eating, you know, one of my bars versus another bar and sometimes even, you know, what style of beer I got the grains from. And you now have a brick and mortar. Where are you located? We are in Virginia Beach. So about a half a mile from the Virginia Beach oceanfront. We are a cafe and I call it my granola factory as well. So that's where we produce the bars for retail and wholesale. And the front of the house is a small cafe. We sell locally roasted coffees. We have a rotating tap of different roasters that we work with from around the area, just a way to cross promote. And then we also do a breakfast and lunch menu. And it's a really nice location. It used to be a, a art gallery slash uh, art school. So when I moved in, I wanted to try to keep that vibe alive. So we get local artists through there to kind of decorate our walls for us. And we have artists of the month where we showcase their work. And it's helped us kind of introduce ourselves to the community while we are able to produce the bars on a larger scale. Absolutely. It's always nice to be a part of that community at large and really connect with one another and highlight each other as well. But not just a brick and mortar. If someone is not in Virginia Beach, they can still get granola, all good granola, correct? They absolutely can. So our website is allgoodgranolabars.com. You're welcome to check out the website, see what we have to offer as far as the flavors and packages. We sell them in packs of three, six, and 12. And recently, we also have a subscription model where people can get the bars delivered monthly, choose your pack size. And we also include extra bars if there's somebody that has a, you know, a favorite flavor or want to try more of a different kind. We also include extra bars for our subscribers each month. So that's been a fun thing that we've been involved in. And just sending the bars all across the United States and, and even Canada now has been exciting for me. And yeah, it's just one of those things where if you can't make it to Virginia Beach or one of the farmer's markets that we sell at, you can always get them online. Fantastic. And is it just granola bars or can you get loose granola as well? Yeah, funny you should ask. It's one of the things that we're actually working on now is adding loose granola. So at the cafe, we use a lot of loose granola on the menu items. So our yogurt parfaits and oatmeal and things like that will include some loose granola. So a lot of people have asked over the last few months and years even, say, if we offered that product. And it's simple enough for me to make it happen. It's just a matter of getting the packaging together and making sure that fits the current aesthetic that we have. But the loose granola is coming. Stay tuned. It'll probably be in the same flavors as the bars. But we also have a lot of recipes we've done over the years that we could add loose granola to. So stay tuned. Any new flavors coming down the pike? Nothing official, but we've done specialty bars in the past. So for those monthly subscribers we mentioned, we've also included some experimental flavors to try to get their feedback. And so, you know, that might include 
a Girl Stout cookie is what we called it. It was a Samoa flavored granola bar. We've done some with dried pineapples and some with skewed with like peppermint for the holidays. So, you know, we're always trying new things, but we don't have any plans for it. A new flavor that's going to be permanent quite yet. And how scary was it? I mean, you started in 2019 and then we know what happened the following year. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that was definitely an interesting time. Like I said, we started in 2019. We're at the farmer's markets and that's kind of where I was mostly selling the bars. So when the pandemic hit and all community events were basically shut down, it was a case where myself and a lot of other vendors were basically scrambling to get their online stores going and generate sales that way. And I was lucky enough to be featured in the local paper to kind of get some sales generated. Eventually, we came back with drive through farmer's markets. And so I was able to mask up and get the bar sold there. So it kind of kept me afloat. I think the hardest part was I have two young children, so they were home with me from school that whole time. So I'm trying to build a business, get the bars made, sold, make business calls, trips, and all this other stuff while taking care of them while my wife's working. So it was a group effort, family effort to get through it. I'm thankful for everybody in my life that helped me through. But here we are on the other side and with the new space and a lot of great things ahead, I think. Absolutely. As I said, I'm here chatting with you today. We're talking about your Brick and mortar, all good granola, and certainly not taking away from the online ordering. Because again, granola is one of the top travel snacks, especially in bar form, I think, because they travel so well. And if you're out during the day before you get a chance to stop in for lunch somewhere, it's nice to have a nice protein style snack on your person to get you through to your next meal. So congratulations and looking forward to maybe getting a taste of all good granola. That sounds great to me. I would love to send you some. You know how to get in touch with me. And even if there's any listeners that reach out to you, my goal is to just get a few samples in the hands of people and they can decide for themselves. But it's been a great journey and I really appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely. Your website one more time? Allgoodgranolabars.com. Well, again, Brian Daniels, thank you so much for joining me. Go ahead and get your all-good granola. It's the snack you want to have when you're traveling. Thanks again. All right. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen.